Welcome to the People and Performance Podcast, offering tips and expert insights into the strategic capabilities, behaviors, and results needed to grow and sustain employee performance. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the People and Performance Podcast. Hi, I'm Bill Bannum, co-host and editor over at HR Gazette. In this episode, Chris Bjorling and I focus on cultivating company culture and the reasons why leading with meaning and purpose can create more positive and sustainable business outcomes. Our guest expert this time is Brad Federman, CEO at Performance Point LLC and author of Cultivating Culture, 101 Ways to Foster Engagement in 15 Minutes or Less, released back in March 2022. Brad works with organizations of all sizes and in all industries, helping them foster engaged employees, resilient relationships, and collaborative cultures. Chris and I hope that you enjoy this conversation, and if you do, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe. And now for our conversation with Brad. Brad, welcome to the show today. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. We're pleased to, to have you here. You know, we've gone into this world right now where, where we're experiencing a lot of change and that change comes from the post-pandemic change. There's a lot of remote working right now, higher expectations of employees, you know, resignations are occurring. Um, we're hitting high interest rates right now and inflation's going and supply chain issues, et cetera. So the question that, that we want to start you with today is, is it harder to cultivate a company culture today compared to the pre-pandemic times? The answer to that question is most definitely. It is more difficult. You have a lot that's gone on in the, or in the, in the economy, in the world that's affected people. And I think we forget about that. You've seen an increase in um, prescription drugs for insomnia, prescription drugs for anxiety, alcohol and drug use and abuse. Um, you've seen increases in things like domestic violence. All those are signs that our society as a whole is stressed. And, and so when you're thinking about the workplace, you're, you're no longer leading an organization, but you're also leading a trauma center. You have to recognize that people are struggling and going through a great deal of things. Then on top of it, you're dealing with all the other trends, more change, loss of, of, of a focus on a hierarchy and becoming more flatter networked organizations, a loss of shared norms because of the amount of diversity in the workplace. All those, all of those things represent challenges that have to be overcome. And then on top of it, you're doing it with some people remote, some people hybrid. You go into the workplace and you sit on Zoom the whole day because your teammates aren't necessarily there. We've created a lot of challenges and other things that have, have created challenges that cause it to be very difficult to cultivate the culture you want. And so it means you must be more intentional and put more of an effort into it today than you ever have. Okay, thank you very much, Brad. Now, in response to a post by Erin Pratter on Fortune, you shared the following. Trends change, remote work is out. What? The pendulum has swung back in the other direction. Remote work will exist. But the, the headlines pushing the idea that we will forever be a remote economy were overstated. So, so Brad, what's what's the great shakeout of the pandemic then? To to what extent are working patterns now more hybrid and, and remote, or not? If, if if that's the that's the argument here, and from a culture perspective, why shouldn't we be surprised when we see leaders like Elon Musk require mandate almost employees to return to the office? 
Sure. Trends happen and society tends to overreact and we believe things that aren't necessarily true or accurate. So, you know, if you if you remember when the word processor came out, you may not remember this, but there was the promise that when we went to the word processor and computers, we would be a paperless office. I don't know what offices you've been to, but most offices I know still are not paperless offices. So, you know, the truth is we tend to over exaggerate where we're going. And I never thought we would be a remote workforce. I thought it would promote more remote than we've had in the past, but the pendulum would always swing back and it's, it's swinging back. You're seeing less remote jobs. You're seeing people pulled back in the office and, and there's a reason for that. And, and I think it's actually potentially a positive productive reason if companies focus on it on the right, in the right way, in the right manner. There's a great study by McKinsey that looked at how much work could be done remotely competitively. And they found that in a developed country similar to the United States, which was on the high end in terms of what could be done remote, you're only looking at 28 to 33 percent of tasks being able to be done remotely in a competitive manner. What does that mean? It means that there are some tasks that can be done remotely very, very well. There's some tasks that can be done remotely, but not as well as when you're in the office or on the front line. And then there are some tasks that can't be done remotely. And so 28 to 33% of those tasks can be done well remotely. That means there's a heck of a lot of work that should be done on, in the front lines, in the office, et cetera. And I think companies have got to start to look at the work and the tasks and make distinctions that determine what really is remote work and what isn't remote work. Uh, the other thing is you had a lot of pressure from employees when uh, there was a labor shortage, still is a bit of a labor shortage. And, and so companies were very flexible because they needed people. But as the economy is shifting and the economy is changing and you're seeing organizations moving towards slowing recruiting, potentially laying off people off, in some cases laying people off, it's starting to shift and that power structure is starting to shift. And so employers are going to start making decisions based on what they think is best for the organization. And in many cases, that means they want them back. They want to have people together, collaborating, working through things, and they want to reemphasize the culture that they used to have. Now, part of that is old school management and doesn't make sense. And part of it does. And I think that the challenge is going to be which companies figure out how to do it how to do it well and appropriately and pay attention to being more flexible for employees. So employees have a life and they have more work-life um, integration, more balance, but that you also have people together when they need to be get together, collaborating, doing the right things and reinforcing the culture. Okay, awesome. Thank you very much. Now, Brad, we want to give a bit of attention to your new book, Cultivating Culture, 101 Ways to Foster Engagement in 15 Minutes or Less, which was released in March of 2022. Uh, with the belief that we are what we talk about, you offer lots of ways to engage your team in conversations that matter. And the hope is to make meetings about more than tasks, deadlines, and problems and instead utilize cultivating cultures, pre-meeting notes and activities to grow a deeper understanding of, of the work that folks are doing and why they're doing it. Uh, activities are divided into eight key focus areas. I'd love for you now to tell Chris and I about each of those, but, but the challenge here 
is to run through those eight in three minutes or less. Go. Wow. Okay. So this book is a playbook. It is built to help organizations become stronger at doing things like leading intentionally. So making sure that you are actually doing what you want to do and that you're not taking things for granted, communicating with purpose. People want to know, know what's going on, but they want to know the why and they want to understand why that's important. Developing your talent. And that means not just developing downwards in terms of your employees, but how do we all develop each other? How can teammates help each other grow? Generating inclusion, which is really about creating an environment where people feel safe, valued, and respected for who they are. Building team harmony, which is not about stopping conflict. It's about taking conflict and making sure it's functional conflict, not dysfunctional conflict, and creating a collaborative environment where people work well together. Uncovering solutions. You can be in a blame culture or you can be in a solutions-based culture, a culture that when things go wrong, you find ways to fix it rather than who to blame. That doesn't mean you're not holding people accountable. We are still holding people accountable, but we have a solutions-based mindset. Prioritizing safety. In many companies, safety is an issue. And so how do you do that in a way that's meaningful and produces the results that you want? And then serving your customer. Gosh, we talk about customers all day long. You know, but in many cases, we don't have them front and center when we're making decisions, when we're communicating with them. If you've traveled lately and you've and you've experienced um, customer front and center uh, businesses, service businesses, you know what I'm talking about. Service levels have dropped significantly globally, and it is challenging to businesses because customers are getting frustrated. They feel like they're paying more and getting less. Excellent stuff. I look forward to to reading your book. I, I think you. there's a lot of great pieces in there. So I'd love to explore all those in more depth, but we're at that point where I have a question for you here. Sure. Can you share one piece of advice or some direction you were given by a mentor leader or a colleague that inspired you to perform at a higher level in your career? Wow. That's a good question. That's a really good question. Yeah. I've actually been given a, a, a lot of advice throughout the years so I'll, I'll pull one out that I think is uh, most important. You know, I think the, the best advice I got from anyone was to focus on being yourself, to be authentic, to uh, not worrying about who's in the room, what their role is, how much money they make, how powerful they are, uh, that people respect and have confidence in people who show respect and have confidence. So be yourself, be authentic, be vulnerable, but be confident at, along the way. I think that's probably the best advice I can give anyone. Most success in a career doesn't come from being awesome at something. It gets you in the door. And it might be good in the beginning of your career when you focus on technical skills. But as you grow in your career, the biggest thing that's going to put you ahead are your emotional is your emotional intelligence. And that's all about your people skills, blending thinking and feeling to make optimal decisions that drive better relationships and better results. Focusing on emotional intelligence and being yourself drives careers. That's the best advice anybody ever gave me. And, uh, and I, and I focused on it ever since. Wonderful. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's good, good stuff. Just the, the, you know, even just the confidence component of it there is is wonderful so this is a another question that we're asking everybody and we've been asking since we started our our podcast series 
from a culture and people processes perspective, what does a high-performing company mean to you? Well, I think a high-performing company is a company that is clear about what they do, why they do it, who they do it for, and that everything is aligned from the customer all the way to every employee. And so when I think about, about high-performing companies, I think about a company that has defined their culture from the outside in, meaning it's built around their purpose, why they exist. It's built around their brand identity, what resonates with their customers and what should resonate with their customers. And from there, they they have values that support those two things, brand identity and purpose. And then they have a clear set of behaviors that drive those values. That is then brought into the organization and everything from the way you hire, promote, onboard, even exit employees is built around that subset of information. And you have built your company from the outside in. Then you support it and you execute that from the inside out. Customers need to feel what you've just described. And the only way they feel it is they have experiences that model what you just what we just talked about, which means Every employee must live up to those behaviors, those values with the identity and the purpose in mind. And so it's executed from the inside out. Employees execute it so customers can feel it. That's a high performing company. And that's a company that will do well and better than their competitors. Excellent. Appreciate that very much. You got it. Chris, I think that might be one of the best answers we've had to that question. You know, we we, we ask. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to say that because we got a lot of other people we love. But well, I, 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 I'm glad you said that. I'm blushing right now. Come on, <laughs> uh, Brad. We're about to wrap up. I'm sad to say, but before we do, how can how can our listeners learn more about you and about Performance Point LLC? How can they get a copy of your new book? And of course, you've you've written loads of other amazing books, including Employee Engagement: A Roadmap for Creating Profits. Uh, optimizing performance and increasing loyalty and, and various others. So how, how can they get a copy of some of those other books and learn? Fantastic. Well, you can reach us at performancepointllc.com. That's our website. We're also on LinkedIn, Twitter, um, Facebook, Instagram. So you can find us as Performance Point LLC on any of those. You can look me up, Brad Fetterman. I'm on each of those platforms. I love interacting with people, asking whatever questions you want. And, and it's invited. The book can be found at any bookseller. Uh, you know, it can be at Target, Walmart. It can be at uh, Barnes and Noble, Amazon.com. You name it. It's on pretty much anything and anywhere that sells books. You can find the book. It's called Cultivating Culture. It's uh, it really is a book to be used even more than read. Any leader, manager, um, team lead, supervisor can pick it up and they can create the little corner of the world that they want that drives great performance and great teamwork by using this book. It'll take you through it play by play. Awesome. Well, well that just us. Yeah. Um, Brad, Chris and I, we've, all we've got to say to you now is thank you. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank, thank you very you. much. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the People and Performance Podcast. Follow us on social media and remember to subscribe.